called out to you for help. Welcome back to the Hackberry House, a daily podcast that's devoted to the Word of God and the persecuted church. My name is Bob, and this is podcast number 259. It's August 30, 2015. Today, we talk about Voice of the Martyrs in Korea, headed by Eric Foley. Gives us some insights over which we can continue to pray. Every year, the Voice of the Martyrs launches thousands of New Testaments by balloon into the southern portion of North Korea. This is a behind-the-scenes look at what goes on with each balloon launch. Now, you may have seen a picture. Well, we'll, we'll come to that in a little while. Let's talk about this first. A scientist in Australia has partnered with Voice of the Martyrs to provide a computer app that enables Voice of the Martyrs to enter the full range of launch data, atmospheric conditions, wind speed and direction, hydrogen volume, payload weight, even the specific make and model of high-altitude balloons that we are using, and receive a precise projection of where Bibles will land before we even leave our office. Our field tests to date have proven the app to be astonishingly accurate in its predictions when compared to the GPS data that we receive from actual launches. It's not an overstatement to say that this new app changes everything for us, says VOM. While weather conditions don't make it possible for us to choose just any target, the app does make it so we can ensure that our Bibles make it into North Korea. By varying payload weight and hydrogen gas volume, we can influence the direction. We're still experimenting with how much. One remaining piece of equipment, a gas metering device, enabling us to more precisely measure hydrogen volume, that's in production for us right now. It's an expensive device, but it will enable us to make full use of the app. We hope to have it deployed yet this launch year. This year, in addition to responding to reader feedback, asking us to make the font more readable in our new Bibles, we've also added the book of Genesis to the launch Bible, which so far has always been a New Testament. The slight increase in weight and size means that we can't fit quite as many Bibles per balloon as last year, but we consider the addition of Genesis to be extremely valuable. Over the past two years, we found the book of Genesis to be the most effective part of the Bible to begin with in evangelizing and discipling North Koreans. It combats the lies they've heard from the North Korean regime concerning the origins and purpose of the universe and humanity. Please pray like Elijah for a change in the weather. Korean meteorologists predicted that June would be a particularly bad month for launching balloons, and they were exactly right. It wasn't until the 30th of June that there were even any possibilities to launch successfully into North Korea. Every other day, the balloons would have flown down right back into Seoul. This makes this the latest starting balloon launch season on record. 
But so far this year, weather has enabled us to launch a total of only 1,745 New Testaments. 1,085 New Testaments in May and 660 in June, total of 1,745. We also launched, launched 128 USBs with two USBs inside of each balloon. Currently, we're only at 18% of our launching goal. And so during the month of July, we'll be taking advantage of every available opportunity to launch. As you see, this is a little bit late. Sorry. Whether the winds and weather conditions are conducive. July and August will be critical for our balloon launching activities. Fortunately, meteorologists are predicting more launch appropriate conditions for the remaining of the summer. Still, we need your prayers. Well, from this same group, not necessarily the same author, but the same group, Eric Foley and, and different people working with him, I have this post from the same website, and you can go to VOM Korea, VOM Korea, I, I don't have that exact website in front of me, but VOM Korea and then in Google, and that will take you to a, a website eventually. And another one of the good groups that I, I hope that you will get behind. I've shared several of them with you from uh, week to week, and crossing borders and uh, not only VOM Korea, but just VOM in general. You've got Open Doors, you've got ICC, International Christian Concern, and, and others that are working inside North Korea and inside South Korea, I should say, and in North Korea to get the work done. But why God is gracious to spare us from revival this is not exactly about the persecuted church, and yet it is. Listen carefully. Persecution leads to revival. Hmm? That's the received wisdom. Government cracks down on the church. The church deepens its commitment and spiritual maturity. Church grows, and the government gnashes its teeth. Well, what if the reverse is actually true? What if revival actually leads to persecution, not the other way around. One cannot be around Korean Christians very long without sensing the overarching importance that the great Pyongyang revival of 1907, we've talked about it here before, has on their self-concept and on their longings for the future. I truly believe I am at no risk of exaggeration to say that every day, Somewhere in Korea, whether in morning prayer or in a special evening prayer service or an all-night prayer rally, Korean Christians are praying that revival will return. On the face of it, revival would cure no small amount of anxieties and concerns on the part of church leaders in Korea. After a meteoric century of church growth, Korean Protestant church membership has been in steady decline since 1991, with no sign of abatement. No doubt the same could be said of the church in the rest of the world, particularly in the West. Recent events, both domestic and international, seem to have intensified longing in at least some evangelical quarters for a revival as a kind of only hope for the nation, the world, and the church. Of late, there's been an interesting coalescing of interest in revival with an awareness of Christian persecution. In 2013, Open Doors and Moody Radio partnered in a prayer event 
for persecuted Christians and spiritual revival in the United States. Moody Radio Network senior producer Joseph Carlson characterized the revival-slash-persecution relationship uh, like so as he described the purpose of the event. Quote, we will take this opportunity to seek God for spiritual awakening in America as we learn from and uplift our brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering for their faith in Jesus Christ, end of quote. But earlier this month, Open Doors Youth's uh, Joff D, it doesn't give his last name, mused that, that we should consider the possibility that the causal arrow may point in the opposite direction. He said, in the past, we see some amazing examples of revival emerging where persecution took place. But in North Korea, 1907, China in the 1980s and onward, there are definite movements where God opened many people's eyes, but revival is by no means an automatic result of persecution. Islam has since swamped North Africa, the very place where Tertullian once said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. It might be more accurate to say revival leads to persecution. End of quote. Regrettably, Joff D. offers the comment simply as an offhand remark in a quite well-done piece on a different subject, but the great Pyongyang revival itself provides ample evidence that his hypothesis is on track. It's more than a little telling that the great missionary William Blair's eyewitness account of the revival is, is titled The Korean Pentecost and the Sufferings Which Followed. As Bruce Hunt, Blair's co-missionary, notes in his introduction, Blair devotes only nine pages of the book to the revival itself. The remaining one 150 pages details all that proceeded and followed with the entire second half of the book, part two, entitled The Sufferings of the Korean Church. And at the opening of part two, Blair writes, quote, Korea was annexed by Japan on August 22, 1910. Although the leaders of the Korean Church sought consistently to keep the church free from political movements, and all the Holy, although the Holy Spirit cleansed and purified the church in the great revival of 1907, many Japanese, especially police and military leaders, never understood the spiritual character of Christianity. And since their own national religion of Shinto was both religious and political, they were unable to rid themselves of the suspicion that the missionaries were political agents of their government and that the rapid growth of the Korean church must be due to political reasons. In this logic, revival leads to persecution for a very understandable reason. A growing, thriving church makes existing power structures nervous. Nervous power structures respond by exerting more and more invasive power. Perhaps that's what Pastor Chu was prophesying about on the second day of the Pyongyang revival. And again, I quote, Kil Sun Chu Moksa, one of the first Korean leaders 
to graduate from Presbyterian College and Theological Seminary, later the pastor of First Church of Pyongyang, was asked to preach the next morning. Moffat said he literally had himself all tied up and was struggling to get out. He said, this is what revival does. It tears away your sins and sets you free. End of quote. On first blush, we might assume that Pastor Chu was indicating that revival breaks bonds. But on greater reflection, we might conclude that by the breaking of certain spiritual bonds, we should not be surprised that revival leads to more tangible, physical ones. And in this way, should it surprise us that God continues to let revival tarry today? In His mercy, He knows that despite its pleadings, the church in Korea and the West is not ready for revival because we're not ready for what follows revival like night follows day. Persecution. Hmm. Well, that'll give you something to think about today while you're thinking about North Korea. And I hope that you will be doing both thinking about your own revival and the following persecution. Whatever comes first, we, we don't demand either way. But whatever comes first, I do trust that we are ready to follow Christ to the end. Those who are not asking for either thing, not ready for either thing, we got to wonder, what are you all about? What are you doing? What's your life for? If you're not praying for God to revive His church and you're not ready for the persecution of the church, what? what's your thing, as they say? Tomorrow, let's get back to the Revelation study, okay? I am so excited about going through there, giving you the highlights of what I've found recently. The total commentary that I wrote is, is something you can get separately from that. But we're going to go back into Revelation, Lord willing, tomorrow. Meanwhile, remember Psalm 88, 13, the prayer of the suffering church, and perhaps one day our prayer, and in any case, in any situation you get into, you can be praying, I, O oh Lord, have called out to you for help.